Welcome to the Sunnylands Lower Garden Basin Audio Walk. On this walk, you'll be exploring the lowest part of the Sunnyland Gardens around the water recharge basin. To orient yourself, you should begin at the east side of the center facing the entry driveway. With your back to the center entrance, walk along the right or south side of the motor circle. You'll see a lower elevation garden ahead on the right. Please be aware of traffic. Just after you exit the far side of the circle, turn to the right onto the unpaved drive, and then immediately turn left onto the walking path to begin this tour. You may pause this recording until you enter the walking path. This meandering path follows a complete loop and will return you to the center. Please begin your walk. You'll notice that the elevation here is much lower on your right. This area is designed like a large bowl to capture water. The Coachella Valley sits on the second largest aquifer in North America. As a water conservation measure, recharge basins are designed to capture runoff in stormwater, which is then filtered down through porous soils to recharge the aquifer. This recharge basin can accommodate water for up to 24 hours of a 100-year storm, which is equivalent to water depths of approximately 1 to 3 feet. The plants at the lowest point of the basin, with the tall grass-like appearance, are Nolina lindheimeriana, known by the common names bear grass, devil's shoestring, or ribbon grass. Late spring and into summer, the nolinas bloom with a creamy white feathery stalk, which are followed by bunches of mauve-colored fruit. To the right of the path, you'll pass aloe vera, known as medicinal aloe. These fleshy and flexible succulent plants have a long history as a folk remedy. They contain beneficial amino acids and other chemicals which are linked to improved healing of surface skin wounds. Aloe vera sends up a stalk of yellow flowers in February, marking the beginning of the garden's bloom season. Immediately after the bed of aloe is another succulent that is planted on both sides of the walking path. This species is called Hesperallo and is easily identified by its narrow, stiff leaves and white, curly fibers that grow along the leaf edge. Three species of Hesperallo are grown in the gardens. This Hesperallo is Parvaflora, or red yucca. It blooms in the spring, displaying a single stalk of salmon-colored flowers. You'll see the other two Hesperallos later on this tour. The green bark trees you are passing are Desert Museum Palo Verde, or Parkinsonia Desert Museum. Palo Verde, which is Spanish for green stick, describes this tree's beautiful bark that remains green throughout its life. In conditions where water is less available, these trees drop leaves to reduce water loss, but continue to photosynthesize through their bark. Take a moment to observe its small leaves, which display another technique for dealing with the desert heat. If it is too hot, the leaves on the branches will close and point directly at the sun, reducing the amount of leaf surface exposed to the harsh light. In contrast, shaded leaves will open wide and expose the entire length to capture more light. The result is that these trees are in a continual state of motion, slowly adjusting to the light.
Continue walking until you arrive at the triangular planter with a tall columnar cactus and bench. While most beds in the gardens are single specimen, there are some mixed specimen focal points like this one. As a point of orientation, sit or stand next to the bench for the next part of this tour. Here you can see the most common columnar cactus used in the garden, the tall San Pedro. A native to the high elevations of Ecuador and Peru, they have adjusted well to this lower elevation in the gardens. They can be seen at various times of the year in bloom with large white trumpet-shaped flowers that open at night and close by midday. These cactus are bat-pollinated in their native location, but bees in our gardens are equally attracted to their nectar-rich blooms and can sometimes be seen completely submerged in the pollen-filled interior. Around the base of the San Pedro are yellow-spined golden barrel cactus. Though available for purchase in commercial nurseries, this cactus is listed as endangered due to the poaching and illegal trade. It's illegal to transfer these protected species across international borders without proper permitting. If you look through the specimen grouping to the bed across from it, you'll see a plant that has no leaves and seems to be just a grouping of stems fanning out in different directions. Depending on when you are in the gardens, it may have cream-colored circular flowers at its tip or crescent-shaped pods with fuzzy seeds that resemble dandelion heads. This is desert milkweed. True milkweed will have the botanical name Asclepius and is a crucial food supply for our local queen butterflies as well as the migrating monarch butterflies. This is the only plant on which they will lay their eggs, and young caterpillars will spend weeks feeding on its tough structure. Though toxic to many other species, this plant contains a chemical called a cardiac glycoside that is ingested by the caterpillar without causing it harm. It makes the caterpillar and butterfly unpalatable to most birds. Take a minute and see if there are any black, yellow, and white striped monarch or queen caterpillars on this plant, or small green lantern-shaped chrysalis where the caterpillar is metamorphosing into a butterfly. Please do not interfere with or touch the caterpillars, butterflies, or other wildlife in the gardens. If you look to the right, at the planting bed that is just next to the entry driveway, you will see a group of agave known as shark skin. This naturally occurring hybrid is from Mexico and offers an attractive, thick-leafed, small agave option for gardens. It has dark teeth along the edge or margin and ends in a sharp point at the tip of each leaf. Shark skin and most agaves are monocarpic, which means they bloom once in a lifetime after several years of growth. This can take as long as 35 years. During that time, they can reproduce by growing new plants around their base. These new young plants are true clones, genetically identical to the adult from which they sprouted. Behind the bench is the desert agave, or agave desert eye a local agave species. Beyond that agave is giant Hesperallo, the largest of all Hesperallos. Like the others, it has white, curly hair-like fibers along the leaf edge, but its annual flower stalk can reach as high as 15 feet, branching with either white or pink blooms that are favored by local hummingbirds. 
Now continue walking away from the center down the path closest to the entry driveway, which should be on your left. You will come to a T in the path and will take the route to the left. But before you do, notice that again, there are specimen beds at this location that combine multiple species. Here, in addition to San Pedro's and Golden Barrel, you will see the very popular blue-gray artichoke agave. It's easy to see how it got its name with its tight artichoke flower-like shape. Also added to this bed is the tall twisting acatillo. Spines and leaves alternate up its stems, and like the Palo Verde, the leaves will be dropped during low water times. They bloom at the stalk tip in spring and sometimes in fall, and their bright red flowers are a hummingbird favorite. Continue to walk around the end of the path that circles back towards the center along the black iron fence. As you walk, you may be hearing wildlife sounds. The plants at Sunnylands provide food and shelter for over 150 species of birds. At the center and gardens, you will commonly see and hear the small purple-throated costas hummingbirds, the black and white tuxedo-patterned flycatcher known as the black phoebe, and its cousin, the rusty-colored says phoebe. The verdant, a small gray bird with a yellow cap, calls using a repeating peep sound. They are common garden nesters and create a completely enclosed ball of twigs for a nest with the opening angled downward. Don't forget to watch for the greater roadrunner and desert cottontail rabbit often spotted in these gardens. As you finish the end of the turn back toward the center, just where the pink wall ends and the black iron fence begins, look to the left of the path to see beaked yucca or yucca rostrata. This plant, a cousin of the Joshua tree, begins growing at ground level with a rounded crown of long, flexible, but sharp saber-like leaves. As new leaves are added to the crown, the leaves at the bottom die back, forming the stalk. The yucca begins its upward growth that you can see in this planting group. This yucca can, over years, reach 12 to 16 feet. When in bloom, it sends up a multi-branch stalk of large white flowers loved and pollinated by night-traveling yucca moths. Just ahead on the left, you'll see a rather large agave, known as Agave Americana. This gray-blue variety of Americana is the largest species of agave in these gardens. Looking closely at the leaves, you can see where the teeth of previous leaves have left permanently embedded marks. Look in the very center of the agave and see the tightly packed new growth that creates these marks. They will be retained for the life of the leaf. This is an interesting textural feature of agaves. It will come in handy when trying to tell the difference between aloes and agaves. Most aloes will not have this pattern, so if you see it, you can almost be assured that you are looking at an agave. Continue to walk forward until you come to the break in the path and take the left turn to go back to the center and gardens. In this part of the gardens, you may catch the fresh scent of leucophyllum, there are five different specimens of this large shrub growing in the gardens. Just past the leucophyllum is another yucca on the left. But this yucca is whiplii, a native California species known as Spanish bayonet. It refers to the sharpness of its leaves, or 
Our Lord's candle, which refers to the amazingly brilliant white flower stalks it displays after about seven years of growth. Like other yuccas, it has a special relationship with a single species of moth that pollinates it. Take your left turn to pass in front of the bench and continue on the path that runs along the black iron fence of the historic estate. On this side of the path, you will see the addition of reddish-brown bark trees. These are a variety of thornless hybrid mesquite, known as Prosopis hybrid. There are many native varieties of mesquite in the Sonoran Desert. In this harsh climate, they have always been a reliable source of food, not only for native wildlife, but for indigenous Cahuilla people as well. Wildlife assist in the transport and depositing of the mesquite seeds by eating the sugary pods. The seeds go through the digestive tract before being deposited elsewhere. Seeds that pass through animals' digestive tracts have shown a higher rate of germination than those hand-harvested for planting. But mesquites also serve another important benefit to our nutrient-poor desert soils. As legumes, they are able to bind macronutrients needed by other plants into the soil, in essential, fertilizing the soil around them. But mesquites provide this at a much higher level than other legume species. Soil around mesquite groves will be much more nutrient-rich than the locations without them. On the right, as you walk towards the center, you will see a small aloe called striata hybrid, or ghost aloe. Remember that aloes can be identified by their fleshy, flexible leaves. Aloes are typically blue-gray to green in color, but they will sometimes show blushes of pink. This appears to be a reaction to high amounts of direct light. A pigment called rhodoxanthin, which is found in plants and feathers, traps light that in plants is normally collected by chlorophyll for photosynthesis. For some plants, too much light can damage cells, and rhodoxanthin reduces this light absorption just one of the many adaptations that plants have developed to survive in harsh regions. Directly ahead of you is the exit back to the center. As you exit, look directly across the path at a large patch of what has been described by visitors as giant string beans. These leafless, twirling, and twisting lime green succulent is Petalanthus macrocarpus, or lady slipper because of the triangular shape of its flowers that grow in late spring and early summer and resemble ladies' high-heeled shoes. Its whimsically winding shape makes it a very enjoyable addition to the garden, and it's very popular with our visitors. A native of the Sonoran and Central Baja, it is temperature-sensitive, doing well in full sun in cool coastal regions, but needing some shade in hotter climates, and it does not tolerate freezing. This concludes the Recharge Basin Gardens Walk. If you'd like to take a wildflower field walk, turn right as you exit this path and continue just across the driveway, where you will see the entrance to that tour. Please be aware of traffic on the driveway. For all other audio walks, please return to the center to begin. <music>